Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Everybody, we have made it to the last uh, talk of this. This My brain is shot at this point. I can't even (laughs) go there. This is the last conference session. Let's put it that way. All right, and we've got Mandy from Black Hive Media. I met Mandy through the AT&T Unlock Challenge that she was a finalist in last year, and she's been kind enough to come and give us now a post-mortem on uh, basically how to launch an Xbox game during a pandemic. So, Mandy, I'm going to let you take it away. If you've got folks, if you've got questions, pop them in chat. We will get them answered after the presentation. And with that, I'm going to hide and let you run the show for a bit, Mandy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right. Hi, everyone. Um, So, yeah, this is, like Jay said, a postmortem to pivoting and launching an indie Xbox game during the pandemic. Um, I think we can all relate that uh, the past almost 20 months has been pretty uh, exhausting. (laughs) Um, And during that time, uh, we've personally gone through a lot uh, adoption layoffs and uh, launching our Xbox game. And so in... uh, this conversation, I want to kind of go over some of those things. Uh, pivoting our, our game design to work during lockdown. Originally, it was meant to be a local multiplayer game. Uh, dealing with the mental stress and the personal battles uh, that we we handled. Um, all the different tools that we used. Uh, integrating platform-specific features on Xbox. Uh, working with ID at Xbox on approval and launch. Uh, where we went wrong. Uh, how we got rejected a few times, and uh, getting our community involved as, you know, as small of a community as it is, uh, planning a roadmap, and uh, keeping up with our game as a service, and um, last but not least, marketing, which is always an uphill battle. So um, I'm Mandy, uh, Mandy Lowry. I'm the co-founder and uh, software engineer at Black Hive Media. Uh, I'm also a Microsoft GameStack ambassador, uh, which uh, is a new program that they've just started. Um, and I am also a coffee lover, always have that in hand, DIYer and gamer. Um, I'm also a self-taught programmer. Uh, back in 2009, which I'll get into some of this later, I was working in a completely different industry. I was in finance and uh, my husband actually mentioned about getting into uh, programming as he was already in the game industry as an artist. So I went that route and here we are today. Currently I'm working in Unity um, as we add features to our latest Xbox game, Alpha Link. I'm also working part-time at an Austin game studio called Fardbridge on an unannounced title in Unreal. So let's see here. 
so Black Hive Media is the company that my husband and I started back in 2009 as a side business making mobile apps and games uh, when the mobile industry was really just getting started, mobile gaming industry was really just getting started with iOS. In 2011, we made and released a freemium mobile game titled Arcade Jumper that reached nearly half a million users. And over the years, our company has taken on different development contracts from indie companies uh, like Aspire Media, a few startups, some local, some in, in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, a rather large Silicon Valley company, Google, and a few high-profile entrepreneurs, uh, like uh, one that runs a uh, fashion line in LA. So that's kind of where we are. So our game, Alpha Link, started strictly as a local uh, game <laughs> looking to provide a multiplayer experience with a group of friends on the same couch. Uh, this made sense in a time when we took uh, for granted things like gaming events, esports, and you know just being in in person with family and friends. Um, in fact, Alpha Link's first de debut was at an esports bar Valhalla Lounge located in Austin, Texas, and that's where we are now. There, there was a competition of indie games on display, uh, which people could cast their vote for their favorite title that they played. Uh, Alpha Link won Best in Show for the Night, and everything seemed like it was on the right track. Everything seemed validated to what we were doing. And then uh, fast forward a month, and the pandemic was suddenly in full stride. Everything was getting canceled or delayed. Um, all of the events that we were scheduled to show at uh, were also getting canceled. Uh, and for a title that was pretty much banking on in-person feedback and that couch um, competitive experience, a major shift had to, had to be put in place, uh, whether we, we liked it or not. We knew undertaking um, online, making it an online multiplayer would be a huge task, but it actually turned out to be even bigger than we originally planned. And now a full back end was required to track every movement and interaction on the screen in sync in real time for everyone, which is challenging because it's a 2D game, so everyone sees everything at the same time. Um, with this new functionality uh, that we, we quickly got prototyped and working, we put together designs for a progression system, uh, including like XP, in-game currency, cosmetics, all those things. But yeah, so it really originally just started as a local uh, game. So life came at us real fast. <laughs> In early 2020, uh, like I said, a lot changed for us. A lot changed for everyone. Uh, we were in the process of adopting our son. We were working full time with a, uh, a company in a startup in Silicon Valley. Uh, and you know, we had, we had shifted our company's direction slightly. So we were originally, you know, working on our titles, but then they came along and seemed like a, a good fit. So we, we kind of changed directions with them and everything looked really bright. Uh, unfortunately out of the blue, uh, just six months after, you know, we closed down our local studio and everything to work with them. 
uh, they laid us off suddenly. Uh, they pivoted the company and uh, we were suddenly both left without jobs. Uh, so here we are at the start of the pandemic. We had just started the adoption process with our son and we were jobless. <laughs> and to add insult to injury prior to the new jobs, we had unloaded all of our contract work, our contractors and our physical office to work with this, this small startup. So we did what we knew best and we picked up the pieces and we went full on on AlphaLink. Um, and this slide here kind of, there's, there's a lot more details to that story than I'm, I'm putting on right now. Uh, Vice actually did an article about the whole, uh, drama of that. So you can, you can check that out if, if, uh, that's something you're privy to. So after all of that said and done, um, this is what AlphaLink became. It became an online and local uh, multiplayer and we added a lot of progression cosmetics we added an online store uh, you know where you can buy all types of different things helmets suits um, what have you we also added a lot more uh, different types of game modes that you could play uh, five different modes we added three different biomes with 20 different layouts we had it added a whole story mode and a lot of lore um, because this was this game is actually based off a game that we originally started, uh, Metroidvania, named Kova. Um, and we, the reason we were able to get this game up and running so quickly was we kind of uh, pivoted off of that. And so we had a lot of uh, baseline for it already. And then we also had a lot of, like I mentioned, progression and uh, faction competition. Let's see here. So some of the tools that we use. Um, we, because we wanted to get something up and running quickly, uh, we utilized services that were already available, proven and tested allowed, which allowed us to get AlphaLink out the door quickly. Uh, we've been uh, using Unity and client projects since 2015. So it made sense for us to use what we knew for this game. And being an indie developer, we knew we didn't have the time or resources to create our own backend service to handle all the saving and multiplayer and all this. So for that, we did choose PlayFab and Photon. And you can kind of see here, uh, this is an online match about to start with uh, different players from right now. We're, we're pretty global. We're in all markets on Xbox right now. So um, obviously we used Unity, uh, and like I mentioned earlier, it was, uh, it was, we had a previous project already started, so we used that as a jumping off point. So we already had kind of our control scheme set up. We had a lot of assets already that we could reuse for this uh, arena shooter. We also um, used a lot of the same assets off the Unity Assets Store for like our terrains and some of our weapons and effects and particle systems, things like that. Um, and then obviously we had uh, published other games before with Photon and PlayFab. So 
this all allowed us to kind of stick with what we knew. Um, and not to mention Unity has libraries already for Xbox, which is the XDK. Uh, so yeah, um, we used Photon for our multiplayer. Uh, since then, PlayFab has a service like this as well that we plan to transition to. Um, but for the time being, we, we use uh, Photon for all of our play, player movement over the server, uh, setting up lobbies and rooms for matchmaking and whenever you're in a match, uh, you are randomly selected into a, a room, a mode type, um, and a type of biome and a layout. So we send all of that over Photon as well right before the game starts. So everyone loads into the exact same match and they can all see the exact, exact same thing. And then um, there's always a countdown right before a match begins. So all of that's handled over the server as well. So everyone's completely synced up. Um, and then at the end of the game, we also use Photon to pass all of the game scores so that ranking and uh, places are all set and synced at the same time as well. So for PlayFab, um, we use this for uh, player saves. So every time a player changes options, um, you know, that, that saves to their profile. Uh, their profile is synced with their Xbox account. And then, uh, you know, whatever XP they've earned, uh, the, how, ma uh, how many um, credits they've earned, all of that is, is synced to their profile. Their current settings for their player, uh, their loadout for the helmet, the weapons, the, the suit, the armor, everything is, is all saved on their, their player profile on PlayFab. And then, oops, sorry. Uh, we also have um, our store, our economy set up on PlayFab. So we have uh, how every uh, every uh, asset that you can purchase with in-game credits, it's it's not like um, in-app purchases or any type of uh, real money, it's everything earned in-game. Um, but we have amounts stored uh, for how much each thing costs. Uh, each helmet, armor, weapon is also limited based on your uh, XP level. So that's also stored um, on PlayFab. And then we also have a few different leaderboards because our game has three different factions. Um, we have IAA, Triodine, and Ominous uh, that we're pitting against each other. We have three different leaderboards for, for that. We have leaderboards for overall faction standings. We have it for each planet, which is each biome in our game. And having all of those uh, leaderboards allowed us um, to pull in that data in the game. And so you can see it real time as it's happening. And then uh, we also store a lot of our game data. So uh, how uh, many points it gets, it takes to get to a certain level. We have all of that stored on, on PlayFab as well. So that way, you know, we, we're not storing it in the game. We can quickly change things or, you know, just prevent it from being, you know, hacked. <laughs> um, not that anyone would hack that, but you know, uh, players are crafty. Let's see here. Um, we also store our game news on PlayFab. So we have different characters that you can walk up to in our hub before you launch into a multiplayer uh, battle. And each of those 
not only the game news is stored on Playfab, but the NPCs uh, dialogue are also stored on Playfab. So we've been able to do some fun things with that. Let's see here. Next, um, we once we had all of that done, we we were testing it constantly. On we were already had our dev kits, so we were running tests locally here. We were running tests online uh, with different users, mostly friends and family, and uh, you know everything seemed to be working on the dev kits. So that at that point we felt like we were ready to go ahead and add in the XDK from Xbox. And uh, so this was our first console game uh, before we were easily in the rhythm of quickly prototyping, developing self-publishing games to like the mobile app stores. Uh, but you know, console platforms are way more strict. So this felt like um, we, we knew it was going to be a big deal to eventually integrate this XDK and get through approval. It, and it was. <laughs> so working with the XDK in Unity, um, as an approved Xbox game dev, we gained access to the XDK. We gained access to the developer forums on ID at Xbox and the hidden forums in uh, the Unity uh, threads as well. And that pretty much gave us a lot of resources. Um, there, there have been so many questions asked on there, so many questions answered. So almost everything that I came across integrating those things, I was able to easily search and find answers for. Um, and I will say also the, the ID at Xbox developer forums, though the, the folks there are super helpful and it's, it's been nothing but a great experience there. Uh, they really dig in and help you and they want your game to launch. So they will do what it takes to help you out. Um, one of the big things with, uh, one of the big requirements Xbox has is uh, online invites if your game is an online multiplayer. Uh, we didn't know this going in. We thought, okay, well, we have PlayFab and Photon handling all this. So, you know, once we launch, we'll we'll add that feature later. We just need to get to launch. Um, well, not the case. So <laughs> online invites, uh, there's a few different components to that. Um, the, the first one is inviting friends to your game lobby. And then also that person has to accept that invite request and then immediately launch you into the same game lobby. And then also if you're just playing an online match, um, that has to be open for a see that, Hey, you're in alpha link playing an online match. Let me just jump in and join your lobby. So those three different components, uh, probably took the most time out of all of the things we did with the XDK. Um, there were a lot of unknowns on my end, uh, with doing those things. And it, it was just the first time I had ever implemented, uh, you know, the, this type of, um, X SDK. <laughs> so beyond that, once we got all that set up, 
uh, we then ran into some performance issues. Uh, again, we were able to post on the forums and uh, work with some of the folks there to help us understand, help me understand pics, um, which is really useful for uh, profiling your Xbox and Windows games. Um, so, with that said, here's kind of a, a little timeline of, <laughs> of where we started. And I will say that the ID at Xbox team is, is truly amazing. Everyone there is really nice. They want to get your game out. They want to help you through it. Um, and like I said, you know, it, it's a long road, but the resources are there. And uh, originally we submitted for approval at ID at Xbox in February of last year, um, right before the pandemic hit. And then I think we were approved within... I want to say 30, maybe 45 days. It's pretty nice. Um, yeah, 30 days or so. And then fast forward to July of this year, we finally submitted our release candidate. This game was in development for about 16 months or so. And then in August, by the time, uh, you know, they, they, they would have a pretty quick turnaround, a week, two weeks, three weeks. Um, it, it definitely takes a few, at least two months to get your game ready. But we were rejected four times. <laughs> uh, the first time we were rejected was probably one of the biggest issues, uh, which was the thermal shutdown that some console variations were uh, having when you could first interact in our game. And... It was, it was a very bizarre uh, case because, and it wasn't easily reproducible because they could only get it to work on one of the Xboxes that they were testing on, not even all of them. And it not, not even all the time either. So um, this goes back to working in PICS and working with the uh, folks at the Xbox forums. They were able to kind of help me understand pics, profile it on the dev kits, and figure out uh, there was a shader issue. Once we removed that shader, thermal shutdown was fixed and performance improved. And after that, we were also able to make some other performance optimizations uh, once we better understood pics, which was great. Uh, the other reason we got, uh, we were rejected was uh, friend invites. And that's kind of something I touched on earlier. Um, you know, you you have to be able to do uh, inviting friends through the Xbox uh, UI. And then um, then we got rejected a third time, and it was, you know, joining a lobby once a friend is in matchmaking state. And so there was, like I mentioned, there was a lot of different com components to that uh, joining system. And then the fourth time was an easy fix, luckily, uh, but it was something to do with the achievements not unlocking. And um, yeah, that was, that was easy. So by the time we got approved, which was around the first weekend of September, we were able to set our uh, pre-order date for the 17th, and then we launched on September 30th. And we were able to use that time to really prepare uh, for for launch.
let's talk about some post-launch stuff. So once we launched, we set aside a few Friday streams um, on Twitch so that we could, you know, kind of show folks, hey, this is the game. This is what we've what we've built. Um, we created a roadmap uh, and published that so that the community can kind of get involved there. Uh, we had a few updates that we um, readied up and pushed those. And we uh, tried to engage as much as we could on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, direct people to our Discord. And marketing. <laughs> Neither my husband or I, because we're a two-person studio, have any kind of marketing background. So this is always the most challenging aspect of release for us. For AlphaLink, we mostly just decided to focus on Twitter and do meaningful posts that were more personal in tone, um, you know, which basically we've shared a lot of our, our life story there. Uh, and then, you know, we had a very, you know, a pretty low conversion rate there, but we did manage to do a few tweets that gained traction to help with the exposure. And that's um, that exposure maybe didn't exactly lead into sales, but it definitely led into um, some good connections with some some nice people. Uh, so you know, doing that on Twitter, we we were connected with Patrick, who wrote the Vice article about us. Um, we connected with Liberina, who uh, nominated me for the Game Stack Ambassador Program. Um, things like that. Uh, we ended up uh, connecting with some of the, the cool people at ID at Xbox that way. And um, I'll talk more about that later. Uh, we also, you know, definitely took advantage of some of the things that ID at Xbox do for us anyways, like posting through Major Nelson. Um, we did, we wrote up a blog post for the Xbox Wired and they, they posted that. Uh, we published our release trailer and our um, pre-order trailer through the ID at Xbox YouTube. And then we also were able to uh, be guests on the live stream at the Xbox Twitch channel, which um, was, was good exposure for us as well. Uh, in addition, we did a few smaller interviews as well. Uh, these were more fun for a community, uh, but although the live streams doubled as bug hunting streams where we were able to find and squash some of those launch bugs. And, you know, that's always fun finding uh, bugs in real time in front of an audience. So it was, it's, it's all good. So yeah, we, we have been slowly building our community. Uh, like I mentioned, doing the streams, uh, We've posted a few updates um, with new content, uh, a lot of bug fixes that we found in those streams, and community requests that were coming through on the streams. Every Friday night when we were streaming, we would have some great ideas come through. And the really awesome thing about that is that everything's right there in chat. So we were able to go through the chat after each stream and just drop that stuff right into Trello and then convert it into our roadmap, which was really super helpful having all that rather than having to remember it. Um, so one of the, the few silver linings of 
you know, having to move everything online um, because of the pandemic. Because uh, if that were in person at an event, I my brain would be fried. I wouldn't remember any of that stuff. So, but on our roadmap, um, we had idea submissions. So everyone in, our, in the community can submit their ideas for the game if they have a, a new mode that they want to play or if they have some ideas for... Um, we had a lot of people, you know, suggesting different control schemes or, uh, um, some matchmaking things. So we, we took all those people voted on them. Uh, everyone could add their comments, things like that. And it, it allowed us to really prioritize, uh, what we did next. Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. So closing thoughts. I got here fast, I think. <laughs> Every, um, so, you know, this, this has been our journey and I feel like every indie development journey is, is pretty unique and ours certainly felt chaotic at times. Um, but in the end, seeing folks playing our game and getting helpful feedback from those players has definitely made it all worth it. Uh, you know, yes, we would have done a lot different, um, differently. I think, uh, we're still trying to figure out the whole marketing aspect of it. We're still working through, uh, some new features. We're still pushing updates. Um, and so I feel like we've, we've learned a lot doing our first console launch. Um, just like we learned a lot when we first launched our mobile game in 2009. So we, we certainly hope that, uh, that we can take this and, and keep running with it. So, uh, yeah, where, where to find us? So I am at she who codes on pretty much all social media. Uh, you can also go to covagame.com to check out our game. And then on the Indie Game Business Discord server, I am at Mandy7630. So certainly uh, connect with us there and come say hi. Mandy, there are people that have been doing this for two decades and they're still trying to figure out the marketing side of it. So don't stress <laughs> on that aspect of it at all. Um, that, that's... <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you caught the, the talk that we just did with Ahmed and Khalil, but we were talking about how over or understated it is when an indie team actually launches a game and it goes live and it is available for people to purchase and how that is a gigantic, huge thing that people don't realize. And sometimes the developers don't even appreciate how big a, a deal that is themselves. So, <laughs> yeah sheer just merely the fact that you got this out the door launched and people can play it 
kudos you you won that that that's the <laughs> that's the good news um so going through it and it was funny because this echoed a lot of the stuff that we we talked about a couple of hours ago too with testing and you know they were saying that they had a bug that only happened when two people on a server in india played their game simultaneously and it's like how do you test that when you're a small indie game you don't have all these resources at your at, at your fingertips so how did right. you all handle handle testing and handle all the lot checks and the submission checks for microsoft or was it just kind of like we think we have it so let's submit it and see if it works <laughs> no we did um before we even submitted to to xbox we did a lot of uh, testing with family, friends, um, people that had signed up for our betas, and that gave us a lot of feedback. Uh, seeing what they what they did, because uh, I, I log everything on PlayFab, so everything you're doing in the game, I'm I'm seeing what you're doing in PlayFab, which is pretty nice. <laughs> so we could we could really get a grasp of what's happening there. Um, a couple of people in our community are, are really uh, detail oriented, which which helped a lot. So when they found a bug, they could totally vocalize it, walk through the steps with me, and I could I could nail it down just based on you know the repro steps that they were able to provide. So we did that a lot, and we did that a lot throughout the entire process. Um, we did not wait until the very end to start testing. We tested a lot throughout the whole process with. Uh, mostly close friends and then the wider audience. Yeah, for, for the record, I am not that person in the community that can outline. I, I know from doing this for a quarter of a century that I need to be able to say, this is exactly what I was doing leading up to the bug and this is what happened and this, but it's like, no, it's like, I don't know. I, I opened the door and it crashed. I don't know where, that's about all you're gonna get from me <laughs> when I'm doing this. All right, so all right. just- <laughs> Just to play armchair quarterback or Monday morning quarterback or whatever we want to call it, where hindsight is is a hundred percent. Why did you switch from a single player Metroidvania straightforward process to a couch co op multiplayer game? Yeah, that's that's the that's the big question right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> we. Originally, we thought, you know, hey, we'll we'll do this local competitive game. It'll be really fun, just like, uh, you know, a game like uh, what was it, Towerfall or Night Squad? You know, just a quick, fun local game. And you know, we had our first prototype ready in six weeks, and that's what we took to uh, Valhalla Lounge in Austin and won that competition with. And so we were like, this is going to be a really quick game to get together and and put on. On Xbox uh, little did we know <laughs> that the pandemic was about to hit and had we known that I think we would have stuck with the Metroidvania and we would have pushed through because that 20 months would have been enough to finish finish that game um, so yeah hindsight is always 2020 <laughs> well I mean that, that's an open statement. Had we known the pandemic was coming, I mean, a, a lot of shit would have been different. That would be a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, Mandy. So this, is, this is the joy of being the, the last talk on the last day after I've been doing this for two and a half days straight. It's like, I no, just... No, I get it. 
I have no Fs left. Um, all right, so I have, <laughs> I have questions. Um, we, we covered the Metroidvania, the couch co-op thing. The pandemic was tough on all of us. God, I'm not even going to say was, because I'm not even sure we're out of this shit yet. But the pandemic was bad across the board. And, and mm-hmm. mental health is one of those things that has absolutely been thrust to the forefront. It's like, I don't wish what happened to Simone Biles on anyone, but it almost takes that kind of shit for people to step back and go, okay, this isn't normal. I'm not used to this. And, and I could personally, I went through yeah. this, you know, many, many, not many, many years ago, about 10 years ago and went to counseling. And I was like, it's one of those things that you don't realize that what's going on isn't normal until somebody else looks at you and goes, that shit's not normal. And right. you've got so much stuff that you're going on. You've got, you know, the adoption going on in, in your personal life. All of a sudden it's like, we're not employed and we have to figure out what we're going to do. And all your local resources get tapped because, you know, nobody can leave their house mm-hmm. on the, on the personal, on the mental health side, what did you and your husband do to just kind of not go crazy? Um, we reverted to brewing beer again. <laughs> Hey, no, that's enough. a terrible answer. That's, uh, <laughs> no. Was it any good? Because when I did that, it didn't turn out so well. No, it was good. It, it, it you know, that stuck for only so long. But, um, yeah, having 48 bottles of beer in the house is not healthy. <laughs> no, we, we did a lot. We, we definitely had um, some nights where we just needed to let our brains melt in front of some TV for a little bit you know, to just shut down and, and recalibrate. Um, you know, we had, my son had a a therapist, uh, so talking with her a lot, you know, that helped put things in perspective. Uh, we had, we were still working with our social workers as well. So, you know, they kept, um, not only encouraging us through the process, but just saying, you know, Hey, this is going to be fine. Everything's going to get better, uh, pandemic wise and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to find a, a healthy vice. And then also, you know, gaming. We did a lot of gaming uh, <laughs> um, just to shut down in the evenings. Um, but yeah, mental health is certainly understated. And, you know, uh, looking back, I, I feel like we we put a lot on ourselves that we shouldn't have. Um I, I feel like we would have done a lot differently than to uh, taking on multiple contracts on top of building out this game, on top of understanding how parenting works. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I, I I think the fact that my husband and I have such an open relationship and we can really talk things out. It's it's like having your own personal you know Fraser next to you. <laughs> so, that helps. Um, uh, pro tip: Nobody knows how parenting works. That that's a myth. That's just <laughs> a buddy of mine explained it to me, and he's got four kids, I believe. He said you can read all this stuff, and you can, these experts say this and whatever else. He said, "Here's what you have to do. You, it's like a roller coaster. There isn't really that much you can do, so you better just sit down and enjoy the ride and and not jump out at any point in time." Um, <laughs> yeah. But. Okay. 
it is. It's a whole lot to go through. And one, you know, I appreciate you you sharing this because I think it is something that we need to talk about in this industry. We do put a lot on ourselves. I mean, I run a consulting firm and then I still do this stuff and I have to sit down every now and then and go, I need to just step back. I mean, there's, there's too much going on. I have family. It is a lot, but it's, we are victims of our own passion at, at a that's certain it. point. And, and that's, that's so one of the things that it's, everybody struggles with. And, and it's always, you know, I'm, I'm always open to talking to anybody about it. Cause I've been through it. I've done it. And it's, it's never good. Um, so on a, on a similar note, um, question from Lucas, and this is another one that, that every developer out there goes through. Did you ever lose motiv motivation with all of those Xbox rejections? And, and how did you push through it? And did you get the good feedback and, and that sort of stuff? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we knew there was end in sight. We knew that, you know, we had come this far. We're not going to let those rejections stop us now. <laughs> um, you know, so we were, we were motivated. We, we were hell bent on, on getting this game. Cause we, we saw the finish line. We just, we were just a toe like away from it, <laughs> you know? So, um, it, it was a lot of early mornings. My, my mornings were starting at, at five o'clock so that I could get out here in the office and, and work through a lot of those, uh, online, uh, bugs, online features to get through that. Um, yeah, ID at Xbox, their, their team that tests everything, they write up really good reports. Um, they give you clear repro steps and, uh, some of the cases I could ask for video or images so that I could better understand th those. And, and they were right there giving me everything that I needed. They want you to get your game out. They, you know, they have no reason to hold you back. Um, so they're very supportive and they do a lot for you. So subliminal man says, did you set up any build processes or testing processes to streamline the submissions? A lot of what, I ended up doing, unfortunately, was just brute forcing it to get past cert. Yep, same here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I can spend a day setting up this and you know having it kind of uh, automated for me, um, or I can just keep pushing through and getting these things done and just push it through to cert every time and then just click that button. Um, so no, it, it probably would have been smart. Uh, but did I want to spend the time on being smart? Probably not. <laughs> well, why would, that takes all the fun out of this. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> there's no sense in letting a system, you know, get to enjoy your frustration when you can enjoy it yourself. There's... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, and, and Neil has been with us for the last couple of days and, and I appreciate you hanging out and lots of, lots of good questions. Um, they say I'm creating my first commercial game after a few game jams and it's still at least one or two years before I'll be able to release it. Do you have some advice for first time developers? Find anything to make the process quicker. If despite you're what like, she just said. <laughs> but, yeah, despite that, find, find services, find services and assets that'll speed up your process. So if you have, you know, like in our case, it was an online multiplayer game. I'm not going to sit there and build out an Azure server 
myself. I, I went and I found a service that was already doing that and I just integrated it. Um, you know, same with, uh, storing player information, you know, you don't have to create that stuff. There's services out there that do that for you. If you're using unity, um, you know, check out the asset store. There's a lot of, uh, things that can quickly get you, get you started. Uh, you know, don't think that you have to do every control scheme from scratch. There's services out there that do that for you. Um, you know, you don't have to create your own, you know, if there's a service out there that does it for you, find that service and, and utilize it if you want to speed up development. Um, don't try and do everything from scratch. I know there's a pride thing there, um, but it, I guess it depends on, you know, I, what you're, what you value. Do you value getting your first game out or do you want to do everything yourself from scratch? If you want to do everything. In our case, scratch. it's always, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't years know. ago, that takes forever. Yeah. It, it made somewhat sense to say, okay, look, we're going to use our, we're going to make our own engine and we're going to do this. And, yeah. but today it doesn't. And, and so mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things that I still see developers and they're like, well, I'm just going to build my own engine. And I'm like, why? I understand a... <laughs> if you want to do it as a learning exercise and that's more power to you, go for it. Right. If you want to create something that's going to make money and be able to allow you to continue to do this without having another job, it's probably not the best route. Right. Exactly. You know, and same with like physics engines, people want to build their own. I'm like, why there's, there's several out there that are proven. Um, if it's out there, if you want to, you know, get your game out, you know, and you value that over anything else, just, just use those services. I mean, you've got a, a long track record in engineering and coding. I mean, did it ever occur? Did you ever think seriously about it? It's like, I can just do this. I don't need that. I can just make this myself. Uh, I, I like, I would want to just like you mentioned for the learning experience. Like I, I love tinkering with new technologies and setting those things up, but, uh, no hard pass. I love, I, I my favorite thing is coding game logic. I love doing it. It's just what's fun to me. So no hard pass. I, I can't argue with you. So <laughs> You mentioned that, that, I mean, this coming from the guy who the last programming class I had was in Pascal and I never did get the ball to yeah. like bounce all the way around the room properly. And I just said, the hell with it. I'll be an English major. The, um, <laughs> you said there were definitely things that you would have changed going back, factoring out the pandemic part of it, because yeah, that that's the curveball that no one saw coming. But looking back at the process now, what are some of those things that you would have, have changed along the way or that you're already planning for the, for the next iteration to do differently? Um, well, first off, I think I would have uh, liked to use the PlayFab online service uh, for the multiplayer. Um, I think uh, digging into that, even though it, it would have been new to us because we've always used Photon and PlayFab in the past, I definitely would have done that just to use all of PlayFab. Um, I think uh, maybe we, we would have put off launch a little bit longer um, so that we could get a better marketing campaign going. Uh, I think we were so ready and excited to launch um, 
that the moment we got approved, we were like, when can we launch? Uh, so I, I think, and they were like, uh, September 17th is the earliest. We were like, we'll take it, <laughs> you know, like we're buying a car or something. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we, I think, I think we, we should have picked a better launch date. Uh, I think we should have made a better marketing plan. Um, yeah, those, those two things, certainly. To be fair, you didn't have a lot of room in there because if the, if September was yeah. the mid September was the first one you had available. I mean, as an indie, you do not want to launch after October anyway. So you only mm -hmm. had about six more weeks, and before the next logical one would have been January, February. Well, Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, after Christmas, the so when you wanted to go and when you were looking at doing a different marketing plan. So what on the marketing side, especially with the social media platforms, were there ones that worked better than others? Or was it just kind of like across the board? Uh, Twitter, we definitely uh, had more traction on and uh, had things come out of a lot of those posts. Um, Instagram, I, I have a pretty large community on there. But um, it's it's a different type of community. It's more uh, women in programming, and not necessarily folks in gaming. So I think that I didn't get as much traction there. Um, and then nobody uses Facebook, so I don't know. <laughs> they do, but it's our parents, and you know, yeah. that's, my my wife keeps me posted on all the stuff that you know my family and friends are doing on Facebook because the only time I'm on Facebook is like right now when we're live and, and streaming that's pretty much it for me uh, mm -hmm. th this has come up like multiple times over the last couple of days and i'm completely still shocked by it and it could be because i'm old did you look at tiktok because apparently that works what's a tiktok i don't it's know okay. <laughs> thank you I'm like, what are you doing just... dances or some we have talked know. to several people over the last couple of days who had good traction for their game on on tiktok yeah, and that's the one that we didn't utilize. And, you know, I, I feel like we've we've lost out on a lot of traction that we could have had there. And, you know, maybe it's something that we utilize in the future, but I am still not on TikTok, which, you know, I just, I'm I, maybe I'm beyond that, that mark, that age group that should be on there. I don't know. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> not me either. So what would you, if, if you were, if you hadn't launched it, and you were building that extra marketing plan, what would you have added to it? Um, more outreach to uh, sh uh, large streamers. Um, you know, we, we actually created these really awesome, I don't know if I have one here in the office with me right now, but we created these uh, boxes, uh, these loot crates that we sent out to a couple of people and they had uh, customized dog tags with the factions on them. We put stickers on them. We put these cool flasks. I wish I had this stuff right now. I don't, I don't know where it might be. Um, but yeah, we, we put all these really cool loot crates together uh, to send to folks. And some responded, some did not, most did not. And so I think we would have put more time and effort into um, getting those ready to send out to folks so that um, more people would be interested in actually, you know, following through with us. You have to be really careful with that though, because that's like one of the things that I, on, on one hand, yes, we see a lot of publishers and they do that and, and it gathers some attention, but especially for small teams, 
you've got it, it, it's like doing Kickstarter rewards. You have to be very careful how yeah. much you end up spending on on that type of stuff versus the benefit that you're going to get from it. Um, right. Uh, Lucas, while you're there, Lucas says he got the most views on TikTok for his previous game with barely any strategy. Give us a rundown in chat there of what you actually did on TikTok, because this is the part I'm still very curious about. Yeah. In, in Instagram, someone was talking about it earlier, and it's, it's part of my issue with Instagram either. It doesn't allow you to link out to anybody unless it, that one link in your um uh, in your profile, and that's just not that good for doing wish lists and, and all that sort of stuff. So, have you is the game on PC or is it just on Xbox right now? Or where are you released? Us personally, or Lucas and chat? No, 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 I'll talk you. Sorry, <laughs> okay, no, it's fine. Uh, no, because I'm curious about that too. I want to know about this TikTok. <laughs> we, we're all hanging out to learn what Lucas did on TikTok. Um, yes, please. No, you. What, so where's the game released right now? So right now we're just on Xbox. And uh, we have uh, our roadmap that, you know, we offered either a soft PC launch or a, a single player campaign. And most of the votes came through on the single cam player campaign. So we're kind of working on that. Uh, more so than the PC version. But we do want to get on Steam and we do want to get on Windows Store next. And then um, we've also submitted to be on uh, the Switch. PlayStation's down the road. Those, That's, yeah, that's down the road. Have you had talks about about Game Pass and going that route with Microsoft as well? Um, no, we have not um, had any doors open to that yet. So we've... We've not had any discussions there. I was just curious because it's, it's they said, I saw somewhere in the news yesterday that um, Microsoft has stopped doing or has is doing less announcements when things go to Game Pass. And it's more like they're just being released, which tells me they're going to be upping the volume of this stuff coming out. And yeah. now the, the Twitter rumor I just heard is that PlayStation is going to, launch probably whenever the game awards are are going to be announced they're doing something very similar too so um yeah, yeah it's just one of those things curious it's been it's been successful for xbox for sure the game pass i mean it's it's such a great service and it's cheap for what you get so i don't I, I i don't I, doubt that playstation does something for that <laughs> i love my game pass the best yeah. value in gaming. Um, yes. And I had another question, and now it completely like escaped my brain. Hold on, give me a second. It'll come back to me. Oh, okay. All right. So how many, of, it's, it's you and your husband, and then mm -hmm. how many contractors or outside people other than you all? Uh, so we originally had a, uh, and that's kind of a, a touchy subject too. We originally had another artist that would help us out on occasion. Um but he's he's not doing that anymore. Basically, when we got laid off, he did not. So he's still at that company. Um, <laughs> it's a very touchy subject. Um, but yeah, so it's mostly just my husband and I. Um, on occasion, we get help on the programming side for some small tasks, um, mostly controller stuff right now. Uh, but yeah, so pretty much just the two of us throughout most of the development process 
Did y'all do? You said he's an artist. So when it came mm -hmm. to music, all the marketing, collateral, all that sort of stuff, it was just the two of you. I mean, community so, management still just. Yeah, the only thing I will say, um, some of the music we did contract out to uh, Dav Drellian and uh, the other person is eluding me right now. Uh, but we we did uh, have some some custom uh, songs made specifically for this. Uh, Blake gave them the sound direction on what he wanted and then um, they, they were able to provide that. In the past, for all of our mobile games, we've done everything, including sound effects, music, and everything. Um, but this was a much bigger game, so we, we did contract out a couple of songs, yeah. But yeah, community, uh, Twitter, all of that stuff, we've done all our own. So we're very much DIYers, I think I mentioned earlier. <laughs> we're control freaks too, I, I gotta admit, you know. <laughs> As long as you don't let it drive you completely mad, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, no promises there. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe is on our Discord server. We have, you know, the, the post-launch stuff. I mean, the post-session chat. Most importantly, Bendy, I appreciate you coming on here and, and bearing your soul and, and showing us, <laughs> telling us all the the, the nitty-gritty behind launching a indie dev self-published console game in the middle of a pandemic yeah. no biggie right right and thanks so much for having me it's it's been a good good ride my pleasure and if there's anything you ever need in the future let us know for everyone else watching i just dropped our exclusive ticket to the gig tonight in the general chat so absolutely go hang out i'll be there a little while later on guy has built a fantastic networking community you hang out you talk on chat and it like switches up every few minutes it's awesome uh mandy thank you so much keep up the good work and to everybody else thanks for hanging out for the last three days my brain is shot but i hope you all learned something we'll be back have a wonderful weekend Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.